It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. My name is Jason Squires, and uh, I'm the host of this podcast. Hey, and today we're joined by a friend of mine, Dan Navarra from uh, National Christian Foundation. Dan, how's it going, man? Man, thanks for having me on the pod. I am excited. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you, and um, and then we'll jump into the, the, the content for the day. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm out here in the West Coast. I'm in sunny California, just like you, Jason. Yep. And uh, so God bless those of you who are in the snow right now. Uh, I'm wearing fl- I'm wearing flip flops. <laughs> Likewise. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jesus loves us more. Um, That's right. That's true. Jesus wore flip flops. I mean, we're going to call them sandals, but we're going to call them flip flops. I went to Israel. I went to Israel in 2009 and I did 75 miles of walking right in two weeks. And I told myself I was going to do it in a pair of rainbows because Jesus wore sandals. Yes. And it was a mistake. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. But yeah, it's good. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I am the Northern California area director for the National Christian Foundation. And and that's a mouthful. Uh, uh, But my background is pastoral. I have a degree in philosophy with a religious emphasis. And then I went on to Fuller for uh, seminary, got my MDiv and did 15 years of church work, um, pastoring on Sundays and running youth groups and preaching and leadership and budgeting and everything else under the sun. So, and then I did some worship leading stuff. I I mean, I've kind of, kind of been a little bit of a pocket knife in my ministry career. And then in 2020, there was a flu bug going around that kind of disrupted the church, uh, the church scene. And uh, it was a natural off ramp for me in December of 2020. I left my last full time church job and uh, I thought I was going to take another church job. I interviewed at a lot of churches whose names you probably would recognize. And uh, that was awesome. And yet we kind of felt like God was inviting us to not leave our small community. I live in the Central Valley. I'm in a small community called Turlock. It's a suburb of Modesto. Uh, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, Modesto is a suburb of San Francisco and Sacramento, equidistant. <laughs> um, that's how I describe it. It's That's uh, right. That's right. I'm two hours from the beach. I'm two hours from Tahoe. I'm two hours from the desert. I'm two hours from the lake. Like I can be at Yosemite in three hours. Like it's awesome. It's and I, can great. Be at a Giants game. I can be at a Giants game in 90 minutes. So. Hey, well, this month we're talking about developing your inner circle as uh, in, in leadership and um, in just life as you kind of, you know, you're in, in a space and you need to have those people around you who are breathing life into you and helping to kind of get you to that next step as a, as, as, a, as a leader. But before we do that, how would you define what it means? How would you define the words inner circle? Like, what does that mean when you hear that and kind of um, help, us, help us unpack that? Yeah, I, I think there's two kind of implications for that, right? In ministry, when you work at a church, your inner circle is different than the just an average human being. And that's because, as uh, one person I used to work with would say, it's because you shower, eat, and poop all in the same spot. And what that what what he meant by that, sorry if that's too PG-13 for the pod, but <laughs> you're good. What, what he what he means by that is your friendships and your occupation and your livelihood are and you're you're they're they're all in the same spot. And so you're living in a fishbowl and you have to be careful about who is in the like near proximity of the fishbowl. Um, that's for people who are like full-time in pastoral ministry, did it for 15 years. Uh, it can be difficult on marriages. It can be difficult on kids. 
because uh, it's not just like any other job. When somebody calls, you don't know if they're calling as a friend or are they calling as a pastor. It's just difficult. It's difficult to discern. Um, and the people I think who do it best, they have who I, I don't want to say best. That's the wrong word. The people who have the staying power, the longevity, yeah. burnout's a real thing. They in full time ministry, they have figured out um, the, who they can pick up the phone and call and hang out with and go on vacation with who is not draining them because they need their pastor. Totally. Um, doesn't mean you can't have coffee with them, but you're on the job. Even if you do it on on Saturday at 11 AM when you're not, you know, it's not a work day. Right. Uh, it's just different than me calling up my buddy to talk about the thing that I'm struggling with and yeah. that being safe. Like I don't have to worry about it getting back to the board or the elders or whatever, or the other staff members. So that's which, one which makes of, you naturally guarded and a lot of in a lot oh. of life. Yeah, you're just naturally kind of I can't say it. I don't know if I'm supposed to say it. I don't know. Yeah. And I think that contributes to the abrupt uh drops off of the planet that we've seen in some notable leaders in Christianity over, yep. over the years because their secret life, quote unquote, is secretive. Yep. They they don't feel like they can share it with anybody. And so that's one kind of camp. And th- I'm sure there's people in that camp that are listening to the pod. But then it's just like the everyday Joe. Maybe you are a, a lay person at church. You're just a follower of Jesus that found the podcast, whatever. And and that the inner circle there is uh, these are the people that uh, you want to do life with and you want to do life up close with. And I don't just mean like we're in a small group together that's studying the book of James. Like, that's great. That's a good step. I'm talking about. When you and your spouse are yelling at each other and you get in the car and you drive away, whose house do you go to? Yep. Or do you go to a bar, right? What, what's the safe place for you that you can go when you're struggling with your finances? And um, I heard it called uh, like a board of directors for life, right? It's like yeah. who is on your board of directors, the people who you're accountable to, the people who are helping you complete your vision. If you think of an organization, they have board of directors, right? Like every, you know, major corporation in the world, but also nonprofits. And the the board of directors job is to help steward that organization. Well, if your life is an organization, just think of it that way for a second, who's on your board of directors. It's a great way of of thinking about it. I like it. And you, and you, you, you you talk about the lay person and going and saying, you know, after I drive away in frustration, where do I go? I also like to think like at two in the morning when you need somebody like at two in the morning when there's like you know, an emergency or, or catastrophe, and it's like yes. that person you pick up the phone and call and you know they're going to answer and not be like, why would you call me at two in the morning? Yes. Like it's going to be an accepted yes. phone call in that yes. in that space. Yeah. When your car breaks down or you need to move a refrigerator or a couch or you Truth. need somebody to pick up your kids from school or you – like who are those people that are trustworthy in your life and it's not part of your like – calling or occupation. They're just your up close personal people. I'm 37. It took my wife and I um, years to find our people. And now that we've found them, like we don't want to, like we will run through a wall to stay in proximity to those people because yes. we love doing life with them. And we love that our kids love the Lord together. We're all pulling the rope in the same direction um, when it comes to raising our kids in Christ. And that's an important value for us as a family. Did you find that in ministry or out of ministry? Uh, I found it during COVID. During COVID, yep. So what happened with COVID was, and everybody will remember these moments, but uh, every program that churches gave people to help them belong got shut down. Yep. (laughs) At one point or another, small groups stopped meeting. 
you know, the growth, the growth track shut down. It was all on video. It was on zoom. Nobody made friends on zoom. That's not like a, re- well, uh, you know, 1% of people made friends on zoom. Like, yeah. and what did people do? Cause every you know place was closed. You walked your neighborhood and you went to the local park and that's yep. what we did. We had young kids. We put them in their stroller and social distanced on the sidewalk. And we walked to the park and ki- kids don't care. Even if like interlock, the swings were taken down from the park. Oh, so that, yeah. Yeah. They were the, the park. The public parks were quote unquote closed for a season. Everything so they, they could take the, off. They took off. They took yeah. down the swings and they like covered the basketball hoops. Dude, kids don't care. They're still climbing on everything and running around and doing like they'll play tag with a stick. Like they don't care. Um, and I love that. And so our kids would start playing and parents are hanging out at the park and we just get to know each other. And before long, it's like, Hey, like let's sit on each other's driveway and have a glass of wine and like yep. do that thing. Or like, let's barbecue at the park or, and like, and then, you know, the weather warmed up and it's like, well, we can social distance in the backyard and our kids can swim in the pool. And like, we found yeah. community through that. That was so good. Not, not forced on us from a program. And that was vital. It's so good. And you weren't even looking for it. It just kind of fell into your lap. And like these people that are sitting across from you, they're like right there. Let's talk to them. Let's be, let's yeah. hang out with them. Let's, let's be a part of their, of, of, I would of, of say that circle. It's not that we were, you just said you weren't even looking for them. That's a great distinction because we were hungry for it. Yep. We were starved for it relationally, especially during COVID, man, it's tough. But like just coming out of full-time pastoral ministry, everybody thinks that I'm friends with everybody. And the reality is everybody knows my name, but I don't know anybody's name. Yep. Everybody thinks that my wife and I were, you had this great social life full of people from church. But the reality is we didn't get invited to anything because everybody thought we were invited to everything. Yep. And so it's this weird dichotomy of you're on stage. And so people think that you're too busy and popular. But the reality is we were just like a young family with kids trying to figure out how to make our way in the world. And we there's, would have loved to be included more. There's a church that I've been helping out with and uh, a while, a while back. And uh, we invited the pastor and his wife over for dinner. And the pastor said to me, um, it was fun to have dinner at somebody else's house because typically he's the one inviting people to his house, not getting invited to other people's houses. And yeah. I was like, Oh Wow. Like I just even, I mean, you know, it's like, I just you welcomed me over for dinner, you know? And it was, yeah. he's like, this is a big deal to be invited to, yeah. to something. Cause like you said, people think you're invited to everything, but in reality, you're yeah. the one doing the inviting, trying to get people. I, I'm, I'm a guy. And so like, I enjoy playing cards and, uh, I used to have a poker, a poker night pretty regularly and yeah. in my backyard, fire pit, you know, adult beverages, things like that. And, uh, one way to define your inner circle is who are the people who you text before you plan the poker night to make sure that they can come because you want them there. And then you send out the big group chat and say, Hey, I'm having a card game. And they're the people that are responding immediately. We're in because you already planned that they were going to be in. Like, (laughs) that's that's a good, like, how do you define inner circle? It's the people that you have not in the group chat that you have the side group chat with, right? Like, let's just call it what it is. That's amazing. That's amazing. Exactly. Well, you talked a little bit, you talked about burnout and the fallout and the secret life. Like why, I want to ask this question and I want you to get a little more specific. Why would you say having an inner circle is vital to leadership? Well, I, I think first of all, it's biblical. Like let's yeah. start there, right? I mean, you go all the way back to creation. God wasn't doing it alone, <laughs> right? Truth. Like the Trinity, the Trinity was there. So like that's the the biblical mandate for community starts with God has community with himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Okay. Jesus had the 12 
And then he had his homeboys that were really close, right? Like, let, let's call it what it is. Judas, the dude who sold him out, was in his inner circle that wasn't the inner inner circle, right? Yep. Dude, if, P, if Peter had sold out Jesus, like, no, Peter was pulling out his sword, chopping off dude's ears, right? right? Like, he was ready to go to war for his boy, right? But Judas was in like in the circle, but not in the inner, inner circle, right? And so, like, there's a biblical, I think, mandate and example from God himself to have an inner circle. So let's start there. But then you think about, like, Moses, Exodus 18, right, has the elders established around him to help with the lifting, right? To help with the the tasks of of Israel. Like, I mean, everywhere you go, you don't see a one-man wrecking crew in in scripture. And when you do, they fail. Yep. That's, I mean, that's the reality. They fail and they fail hard. Um, David, when he had his secret life, killed Uriah and slept with Bathsheba, right? But when he surrounded himself with his mighty men, Dude, not, nobody could stand a chance, right? Yep. So you just have to think to yourself, uh, why do I have an inner circle? Well, be, first of all, it's biblical. Like, start there. So let's follow the Bible's example. That's what discipleship is. We're going to follow the example of Jesus and everybody else that points to Jesus. We're going to have an inner circle, okay? But then I think practically in 2024, when this episode is dropping, like, the world has become increasingly secluded. We are great at building fences instead of drawbridges. Yep. We are excellent at saying, okay, I'm going to find people who agree with me on everything. And if you don't agree with me on everything, I'm blocking your butt. I'm even right? going to move my my family to people that agree yeah. with me. And yeah, exactly. We're pulling yeah. our kids from that school because that teacher is, you know, whatever. And like, yep. I'm not saying that that's all wrong. I'm, right. I'm really not like boundaries is a good thing, right? Like right. talk to, talk to Townsend and whatever, like boundaries is good. But, um, uh, I, we, we really need to be bridge builders and not fence builders. Like, and, and so I, like, how do I, and how do I force myself to be authentic and to dive into deep relationship with people? Um, because if I don't, well, I, I end up just having a relationship with my Netflix account or my spouse only, or even my marriage feels secluded. And I think there's that temptation and that reality that if you have a disagreement, it's to just fence people off. And so I, I'm, I'm an advocate of, not fencing yourself off. Now I'm an extrovert. It doesn't drain me to be around people, even people that disagree with me. I have a degree in philosophy. I literally went to college to learn how to be around people who disagree with me. Like I enjoy that. The <laughs> Proverbs, you know, whatever, uh, iron sharpens iron 27, 17, I think. Right. Yeah. Like, like I enjoy it when iron sharpens iron and sparks fly. That's okay. It doesn't bother me. Now I realize for some people you're like sparks, that means fire, fire means burning. And like you run away from that. Okay. That's yeah. fine. I just like, too often, if life is a pendulum, like too often we swing from one extreme to the other and we swing right past God's best for our life on our way from one extreme to the other. Right. 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 So, right. Right. Like, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of finding the middle. Yeah. And I, and I think that's important to, and I also want to include here is that it's not just for the large church leaders. It's the small church yes. leaders. I think even more so it's the small church leaders, but like the small church, the big, it doesn't matter. Like you know, I don't need that because I don't have to deal with all the things that large church pastors have to deal with. Like those things are, uh, you're more, I feel like even in the smaller church, you're more pulled in a hundred different directions when when you are maybe the only person on staff or maybe one or two pastors on staff. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And that's, yeah. an, um, and, and on all, on all, on all sides. 
Hey, can you tell us what kinds of people I should have speaking into my life? Like if I was to look around and go, who should be in my inner circle? Like, what are those, who are those people and what, and unpack that for us. I actually have a framework for thinking about inner circle for people who are in ministry that yeah. I think is super helpful. And I've taught this to interns over the years. I want to lay it out. Is that cool? Go for it. Go for it. Okay. So I, I would say it's a four layer circle system. Okay. Um, I, and I'm not sure what the geography of it is or the geometry of it is, but like, think of it like four separate layers. Okay. I need to have somebody in my congregation who is my advocate, who is my inner circle, right? If you're a senior pastor, it's the chair of your board. If you're a worship pastor, it could be a key leader. It's somebody who is up in your business, who knows everybody's name. Okay. So when you say I'm having a problem with Karen, right. And I'm using that name on purpose. They know who Karen is, right? Like, when you say you're struggling with this policy and procedure, they are part of the community that is struggling with that policy and procedure. Okay. You need somebody in your, you're in your inner circle who is all up in your business. Okay. But they're, they're on, they're on team Dan. They're on team Jason. They're yeah. on your team, right? Team, team Jesus. Yes. But like they're on your team. They're willing to call you out on your hard stuff. They're a safe place for you. Okay. You need one person minimum like that. Okay. Then the next layer is you need somebody who is, not all up in your business, but they're in close enough proximity that they can understand your business, right? So think of it like if you were thinking geographically, this is somebody who's in town, but doesn't go to your church, right? Somebody who understands the politics of the area, who understands the players, the key people, but they are not on any of the teams you're on. They are not in any of the groups that you're in. They don't sit in the pews on Sunday. They aren't they're, they are people that you have a beer with. They are people that you do social things with. They are in your community, but not in your inner community, right? This is vitally important for people who work at churches to have friends that don't go to their church. And I'm saying you need one person at minimum to be that person in your life. Yep. Okay. This way you can vent about that community that you're a part of, yep. and you're not venting to somebody who's in the community. Okay. So that's number two. So you have somebody who's in then you have somebody who's out, but also in, okay? And then the third person you have is out. They are not in town. They are out of your community. They are driving, you know, more than an hour, or they are a plane ride away, or they are a FaceTime call because you never see them in person. They are out of your vicinity, and you can talk about whoever, and they have no idea who you're talking about. This could be a buddy from college. This could be uh, even a family member, to be honest. Like, it's just somebody who's safe for you that isn't going to call your church and report you for whatever. And, like, you can say, hey, like, I'm struggling with this addiction. And, like, no, nobody's going to find out about it who would ever see you on stage, right? Like, right. that's a real need, right? Okay. Then, so those are the three. You have in out, but in, and then you have out. Okay. And then the fourth person you need to have in your inner circle is somebody who is a finance whiz. Okay. Finance whiz. And this is, comes from personal experience, but also I, I've done some, some consulting with chemistry staffing. Yeah. I talked to a lot of pastors. Uh, I am somewhat of a compensation expert when it comes to especially youth pastors, but uh, I, I've studied clergy compensation for years Pastors are really good at doing two things. They're really good at encouraging their congregation to get out of debt and to tithe. Those are the two things that pastors, like their biblical framework for generosity and giving. Yep. They are not good at investing. They are not good at saving. Most of them, like this is a stereotype. Totally. They are not good at understanding taxes 
and how to best leverage their situation, potentially with a housing allowance or, you know, what are you going to do with Social Security? They don't understand. They just don't understand. And and the problem is their supervisors are trained in theology and Sunday's always coming. They're not business people most of the time. If you have an executive pastor who comes from the corporate world, you're in a different echelon of what we're talking about. But but the typical person needs somebody in their corner who can look at them and say, you need a raise. And if they won't give you a raise, you need to quit. You need somebody in your corner who says you need to be saving 10% of your annual income in a retirement account. You need to have a brokerage account. You need to get out of debt. You need to snowball. You need somebody who can who can help give you really wise counsel on finances because otherwise you will leave ministry because you can't afford to stay in ministry. I see yeah. it's a tale as old as time, especially in the youth pastor community. So youth pastor gets his job making 40 grand a year and he's stoked out of his mind, she or he. And does it for a few years, falls in love with ministry, wants to do the all-nighters, the lock-ins, the whole nine yards. Maybe you're a worship pastor and like you just love being on stage and leading teams and da-da-da-da. And all of a sudden you get married and you have a kid and you didn't even think to to ask when you got hired at your church, what's the medical benefits like? And you find out that now you got to pay $300 a month for your kid for medical. Okay, I can I can swallow $300 a month. But then you have another kid and now it's $600 a month. Right. And it's like, holy smokes, now i got to buy a van. So now i got a car payment. Because I didn't save for a car. I didn't pay cash. Like, and it just snowballs. And all of a sudden, you're 30 years old. You got a, a spouse and two kids and a mortgage that you can barely afford with car payments and student debt and this, that, and the other thing. And you're like, I, I I, can't do it on 70 grand a year or 50 grand a year or whatever it is the church is paying you. And they bounce, right? This is like a real thing that I talk with people all the time about. Truth. Now, with National Christian Foundation, I'm on the other side of it. I'm talking to generous people who aren't asking, how much do I need, like how, how much do I need to give? There's actually asking questions like, how much do I keep? Because God's given me more than I need and I want to be a blessing to the kingdom. So they've defined how big their box is and they're not growing a bigger box as their business expands or their income expands. They're saying, no, I got what I need. Now I'm just going to give the rest to the kingdom. And like, that's a totally different mindset than the typical person has. And, I, and if I could tell anything to your podcast listeners, it's have somebody, that fourth person who's the finance whiz, who can stretch you in a way, whether you're in ministry or not, who can stretch you in a way towards radical generosity. Because you will never, you, you've never met an unhappy, generous person. You've yeah. also never met a formerly generous person. Nobody ever is like generous and goes, you know what? That didn't work for me. I'm going to be selfish. Like, yeah. Like greed is a sin, right? Generosity is, is, is a virtue. And, yeah. and so you don't see people move from generosity towards greed and sinfulness unless it's secretive. Yeah. But when you're, you're so, I just like would encourage your community, like find somebody who can encourage you to be radically generous, both to it, yourself and to people around you. You said in, out, and in, out, and a, and a, and a, and a financial whiz. Yes. Those are, the four, those are the four key people you got to have on your team if you're going to be successful in life. So good. And now would you, you said one, at least one now, is that like, if I got, if I have a team of people over here and a team of people over here, like, or you're like, your, your circle should be that small in no, where it's I like, mean, I got four so, people that are. Yeah. It, 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 every, every person's probably different. Right. But, but you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen. Correct. Like you got to be careful who you put a knife in the hand of. Correct. Right. If every cook in your kitchen has a knife, somebody's going to get stabbed. Right. Like accidents yep. happen. 
right. people step on each other's toes and trip and fall. And, you know, if you just think of how a restaurant kitchen works, right? Yeah. Like the knives, only a few people have access to the knives because nobody's, it's just dangerous if everybody has a knife, right? So, so be careful who you give a knife to. That's what yep. I, I guess what I'm saying to, to, that, to, to really beat in that, that regard, al- analogy up. Totally. In that regard, you're like, and food question. No, in that regard, like where, how do you get somebody out of your circle? If they, if they're in your circle and you have to go, you're not, you're, you're not breathing life into what I'm doing or you're, yeah. you, you shifted and you're no longer, or something happened. Like, can you, have you ever had to do that before? <laughs> How do you like, remove somebody from the group chat? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's yeah. awkward, right? That's, you can't kick anybody out of a group. Like what, what is Apple doing? You can't kick somebody out of a group chat, but they can leave themselves like that's. Or right, if you, if you remove them, it says Dan removed Jason from this chat. And you're like, oh, oh that's you can public. remove that's, somebody. That's public. You can remove well, somebody. Oh. You can, but it, it like it, it broadcasts that you removed yeah. you removed yeah. so and so from the chat. You're like, oh, that yeah. was exciting. That's a- yeah. Five years from now, I have Dan's inner circle 7.0, right? 7.0. That's <laughs> 7.0. He hasn't no, talked to uh, me in a while. I don't know why. That's right. Yeah. How do you remove somebody? I, so the first first thing to solve that problem is it's 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 easier to add slowly than it is to subtract quickly. Yep. Okay. So don't put the knife in the hand of somebody who you don't do your due diligence on to make sure they're not going to stab somebody. Yep. Right. Like add to your circle slowly, be strategic, be prayerful, be discerning, use the Holy spirit. Right. That's, that's phase one. Right. Um, And then if you need to subtract from your circle quickly, uh, and this I think is a, a life principle that Christians are afraid of. Do it and do it clearly and quickly. Yeah. I've seen too many Christians be afraid of being perceived as mean. And so they put up with cancer and cancer festers yep. in their life, in their inner circle. I'm guilty of this. Okay, right. I have let relationships sit in my life who are sucking the life out of me for way too long because, well, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to love everybody and care for everybody. Okay. Yeah. Like, can I be controversial for just one second, Jason? Uh, sure. Why not? I'm going to go for it. Okay. You, you can edit this out if you have to. Okay. Yeah, right. We just, watch, we, just, we just watched the Super Bowl. And the He Gets Us commercial came on, right? Yeah. It was it was people washing each other's feet. And it was a pretty controversial screen pitch of people washing people's feet, right? And the the thing comes on at the end and goes, uh, Jesus didn't hate. He washed people's feet. He gets us. I agree. Okay. But what I, what I wish would have been a little bit more focused about that commercial was Jesus washed his inner circle's feet. Like... Like he didn't wash the the leper's feet. Like he washed Judas's feet, but Judas was in when that happened in the upper room, right? Like Jesus watched, like he, he, he was washing people's feet who were in relationship with him and seeking him and trying to be a disciple. That doesn't mean they didn't deal with temptation. Look what happened to Judas after Jesus washed his feet. Right. But like, I I just like want to be careful that we don't, as Christians say, I have to love everybody and I have to love them with all of me. And that means I'm going to be vulnerable with everybody. And if I find somebody that I'm being vulnerable with and they're actually hurting me, they're abusing me emotionally or socially or physically or whatever the answer is, like give yourself permission to say, you know what? I'm going to love you from a distance. Yeah. And have the hard conversation, pick up the phone, have the coffee meeting, rip the bandaid off, fire the employee. If you're a pastor at a church and you have a person on your team who's cancerous, 
Like you're not doing any favors to anybody by keeping them around and hoping that it gets better. You're actually giving permission for other people to emulate that behavior. That's cancerous. Yep. There you go. Oh man. Sorry. That was, that, that was, that was, you can edit that part out. I don't plan on editing that out. That was so good, man. That's such a, okay. it's such true because truth, because I can't tell you how many calls I've been in coaching calls where it's like, you know, this, there's somebody on the team where you're like, you know, that person needs to be removed from leadership. You know, that person needs to be removed from the conversation. And it's like, oh, we don't want to offend them. And you're like, meanwhile, on like what what is the loss that's happening because you don't want to offend somebody or yes. cause wakes or cause waves or whatever the whatever the whatever the case may be. So, dude, that's so good. And and I, like I think of Paul and Timothy, right? I'm sure you've had other people talk about a Paul Timothy relationship. Yep. What does Paul say to Timothy? Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Set an example. Like emulate what you want. You want healthy relationships? Set an example in speech, life, love, faith, and purity. Right? Like like give yourself permission to say. I'm going to lead my life the way I want other people to lead their lives. Yep. Which is having my circle be my circle. It's for me. Yep. So good, man. Hey, as we wrap up the, the, the conversation today, um, we call our podcast the table and I always end with a food question. And I think yes. I'm going to like the answer that comes out of your mouth because I, I've, seen, I've seen pictures. I've seen pictures. And we've had conversations about this. So if I'm yes. coming over to your house for dinner, like what is a meal that might be on the table? Yeah, if you follow me on Instagram, which yes, the only store, the only stories. Yeah, I know you do. I'm saying if your listeners follow me on Instagram, yeah. they will see three things on my Instagram. They will see things with me and my kids. They will see fishing because I love to fish. I fish yep. with my family. I fish with my dad. I fish with my buddies. I love fishing. And then they will see I regularly post episodes of what I call "What's Dan Smoking." And it's me walking out to the smoker in my backyard and yes. showing what I'm smoking, baby. And so if Jason, if you were coming over to my house, yep. I would for sure do my, what I would consider world famous, reversed seared smoked ribeye. I would slow smoke that ribeye at about 200 for, I don't know, it takes about 45 minutes or an hour or so to get up to a nice, beautiful, like 120, which is rare. I yeah. pull the steak off. I bring it inside to a ripping hot cast iron skillet. And then I throw that steak in the skillet with about a half a cube of butter and uh, some some rosemary and some, some thyme, some garlic. And I sear that sucker, get it the up to about 120. smells amazing. Right yeah, at that point, and, yes. And you pull it. You pull it off after a quick sear. You let it rest for ten minutes. Then you have the best steak you've ever had in your life. That's what would be on the table, my friend. Oh my gosh, this is. Oh, it's just you just warmed my heart. I was. Uh, we we. Uh, I've I've been. Uh, oftentimes we have Brian Taylor from Slingshot on, and he and I j jokingly say things uh, about because I we we talk about smoking vegetables. But one time I accidentally said smoking the veggies, and I was like, you can't say smoking the veggies. Without what that actually is, what, what that sounds like. And so our, 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 our on regularly we say things about talking about smoking the veggies. So yeah. I love that your episodes are called What's Dan Smoking? Like it's just what is, yep. what's Dan Smoking? Can we say that? I mean, is that, I think that's fine. Absolutely. It's exactly right. We, we, in our family, we have a thing called What's Up with Those Veggies? Yeah. My father in law showed me this on his smoker. He takes a big thing of tin foil, puts a bunch of vegetables in it with a bunch of butter and some olive oil and just like makes it into a cocoon and throws it on the smoker. And it comes out and everybody goes, oh, my gosh, what's up with those veggies? They're yeah. so good. And so we just started calling it. What are we having for lunch today? We're having a smoked tri-tip and what's up with those veggies? What's up with those veggies? That's amazing. That's amazing. Hey, man, how do we connect with you? How do we connect with, with NCF and all the things yeah. you got going on? 
Yeah, I have my own micro site. So you can go to dannavara.me, D-A-N-N-A-V-A-R-R-A.me for all National Christian Foundation things. Uh, I also, like I said, I do some coaching with uh, chemistry staffing. Uh, We help churches find healthy long-term fits for key staff members, uh, if that's anything you want to talk about, or uh, pastoral compensation. I, I feel like I talk with at least one pastor a month about compensation and just coach them as best I can. Uh, you can email me at dan.navara at chemistrystaffing.com. Uh, you can also Google me, but if you just Google my last name, you'll find my son when he was in kindergarten. He he went viral for having a thing called the joy box. So you got to put yes. my first name up there with my last name. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, happy to connect with anybody. If you need help with talking to your givers about generosity, uh, I would, I would love to help, help with that and coach you on that. Um, there's some some key things that we can do that maybe give you some language to help you talk with high capacity givers about going from addition to multiplication. Like I'm an open book and I'm here to serve the ministry community. Um, so so yeah. good, man. Hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate you hanging out today. I appreciate you smoking things. That's I mean that's that's a that's a that's a that's a big deal. That's that's a, that's an exciting. Smoke them if you got them, baby. Smoke them if you got them. You got them. Oh, that's amazing. All right, everybody. We will uh, we will see everybody back here next week.